Hello, and welcome to another edition of Brian's Budgets, a podcast by Carrick Consulting and hosted by me, Brian Carrick. In this podcast, we'll talk about money and the role it plays in our lives. I'll also offer some helpful suggestions along the way for your money management. In today's episode of Brian's Budgets, uh, which we've titled Budgeting with My Wife, I wanted to introduce the idea of guest speakers to the program. But I wanted to go all out. So I went to the other side of the country. I went to Nashville, Tennessee, and I recruited a doctor of philosophy. And uh, she happens to be a neuroscientist. She also happens to be my wife. Uh, So welcome, Brianna, to the program. Thanks for having me. I'll say that, of course, budgeting, money, finances are not my expertise, as they are yours, but I'm happy to be here. And I've learned a lot about budgeting, both from you, our practices, and what we do during our uh, budgeting in our marriage, and also a lot of the tools you've showed me. So I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Mm, That is such a nice way of you saying I've driven you insane for 10 years, and you're here today to talk about that. Not insane. I chose my words carefully. Mm. I have learned a lot. We are very opposite, as we'll talk about later, in the way that we budget and think about money. But I think it's actually interesting to see how our different strategies kind of blend together to make a productive uh, budgeting option for people. Right. Well, and this is good, too, because people are always asking me why you married me and now this will kind of give them an idea right because this is the one thing i can offer in this relationship so you can kind of give me some praise back and i think that will be helpful for for people that know me to to give me some clout in terms of why you're you're sticking with this some good context for the marriage right right so What's interesting about us is that we uh, started kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum uh, at the beginning of our relationship in terms of how we were going to manage money. Yeah, that's right. So you initially came to me and you were interested in having separate accounts basically for our whole lives. Mm -hmm. Yep. Whereas I had the idea that once you got married, you merged budgets and kind of created more of a mutual plan for the future. Right. And I think that this stemmed initially for me uh, because... I was very private with my money, and I was also very possessive and controlling of my money. And so the idea that you were going to then have half of it didn't really seem like a great idea for me. I think also another thing that I learned is that you really wanted, part of that control for you is being able to monitor every cent, right? budget every cent, and to be able to uh, know where things are going and when things are coming in. And if it was split, you lose some of that control. And I think that was another thing that we had to kind of work through. Sure. Well, and I think the thing that you said that eventually converted me, because we were engaged for five years, just about, just about five years. So we had a lot of time to plan how we were going to merge our finances. And we didn't until we were married. We didn't. We were, we were completely separate. You know, we, we split the rent and we um, split the groceries and we, we split everything. But what you said to me when I was, arguing that we should keep it that way forever was something to the effect of, well, when we have kids, what do you want to do? Do you want to take turns paying for the diapers or do you want to just for the rest of our life, uh, you know, be splitting the bill? And I think for me, that was what was most compelling was the answer was no, I don't, I don't want to do that for my entire life. And I think that's what made the most sense to me. When you get married, there are a lot of expenses that are no longer 
mine and yours, but they're together. And so ultimately it becomes more complicated, but not impossible to think about having separate accounts. Right. And, and I've talked about this on a previous episode, but the way that we've solved this, uh, and I think I think it's working quite well, um, is, is having our own separate checking accounts for discretionary spending while maintaining a joint account uh, for joint expenses. Yeah. And one thing I really enjoy about this is when you get a paycheck in, part of uh, the excitement is, oh, I have new money. I can think about what I want to buy. And by having these discretionary accounts, when the paychecks come in, we get a little payment to our discretionary account. So we get to still um, think about how we want to spend our money, but um, also know that part of it's going to our communal account as well. Right, right. Well, and, and the way that ours works is because I'm paid twice a month on fixed days and you're paid once a month on a fixed day. And I think what's kind of nice about our system is that our transfer from our joint account goes into our personal checking accounts on the first of every month, right? So it's it's consistent and it's predictable. And regardless of how our employers pay us for our entire lives, you and I can build our personal spending lifestyle around getting, quote unquote, paid on the first. Absolutely. So I think one of the things that is so valuable about this is that we do jointly own our income. And, you know, we have each independently over the years received pay increases or bonuses. Um, and it's kind of fun to have it be a legitimate celebration for both of us each time that happens, right? When you get a raise, it's like I'm getting a raise. And when I get a raise, it's like you're getting a raise. Yeah. And I think this is something important to talk about because I think this is an area where uh, couples might have struggles with how to budget. So when one person, let's say, wins an award or gets a big bonus or gets a raise, um, the conversation, I think, needs to be had about how the money is going to be spent. Now, clearly, we've decided how we want to allocate that money, but I think this is an area where budgeting as a couple or as a team can be tricky because, yes, you both want to celebrate, but it also was awarded to one person. Right. Well, and it, and it gives us an excuse to have a conversation every time there is a financial change in our life that doesn't require us to have a big scary conversation that we've never had before because at the end of the day all the money that's coming in each month is our money and so while we have a plan that dictates how that money works if that changes then we work together on what that does to our plan So as a financial control freak, self-described, I kind of hit the jackpot with you because I thought I was frugal, but then I met you. Um, you kind of have the opposite problem with money than most people have, which is you're afraid to spend your budgets. Not afraid, but it just has to be very important for me to spend my money on it. It's just so interesting because I think most people struggle with uh, creating a budget in the first place because you don't want to kind of put a barrier around what you can and cannot spend money on. You, we did the opposite. We gave you speed bumps or, you know, guardrails to show you where you could safely spend. And even that was still difficult. Yeah, I think budgeting for us has been really informative for me because allocating money for different types of things has shown me that there are times when it's okay to splurge on that 
new outfit or something like that as long as it's within the specified budget whereas before my money was all in one pot so it's harder for me to justify making a purchase because it was taking money out of the larger pot right well and it's like you know let's take clothing as an example because neither of us are big shoppers i mean i think zero times in either of our lives have we ever gone on a huge shopping spending spree and bought a bunch of new clothes like it's just not in our personality right but we still have a clothing budget because we have a recognition that clothes deteriorate right and whether it's new undershirts or new socks you're gonna need new clothing so we have a very modest annual clothing budget now um, that kind of gives us that permission to spend but you for one are are certainly never out shopping looking to spend that budget right but it's a good reminder and i think it's also a reminder about making budgets for things that will come up that you might not think about like clothes you know wearing out is something that's going to happen and if you don't budget for it then it's going to be a surprise and maybe it's something you have to take out of a different budget or you have to take out of savings so thinking about those things that are less common but will happen in everyday life right well and i talked about this in a previous episode but it's it's one of those things like having a household budget where if you don't spend it all month then you go well why didn't i spend it and you kind of look around the house and you realize oh we're out of toilet paper or we're out of cleaner you know and, and so it kind of prompts you to to go out and and spend your monthly budget allocation on those things you need to your point, because then you don't hit a point where you realize, oh my gosh, we're out of everything in the house and we need to go pull money out of savings to to pay for it. Right. So one of the things I want to talk about is the way that you budget, because it's very different than the way I budget, which I think is going to be very helpful for people to hear about um, because I find from experience the way that I handle my spreadsheets uh, is is overwhelming and unrealistic to to some in terms of how they're going to manage it. So while I am in a spreadsheet and an app daily, uh, you are not. Can you can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So I tried your method for a little while, which is very detailed descriptions of where every cent goes every day, every week, every month. And while I found that informative, I also found it too time-consuming. And I think there's two pieces to this. For me, it was time-consuming because you'd have to go in and log everything. Let's say you weren't around a computer or you didn't have your phone. You'd have to remember it, then you'd have to go home, you'd have to log it, and that was just too much. I think another way it could be time-consuming for people is that uh, if you are unfamiliar with the tools that are out there using spreadsheets or using the apps, you might feel it's time consuming. For me, I use spreadsheets in my work life all the time, so it wasn't that, but I can understand how that could also be a barrier. Mm. So because of that um, time barrier for me, I decided that it wasn't the best method, but I also understood the importance of budgets, so I knew I had to find something that would work for me. And for me, what I found is something a little bit more flexible, so I know what my budgets are, I usually break them down by week. It's just easier for me to think in that in those terms. And then I have a general idea about my week's budget, and instead of monitoring every single cent, I make sure I'm within budget before I make a purchase, and then I have a general idea about what is left on my budget after that purchase is made. So it's a little more flexible. I still am thinking about my budgets every week, so it's always on my mind, but it's not something where every cent is cataloged every time I make a purchase, and so far it seems to be working. It is, and it's working, I think, because you need both 
ends of that in uh, in a budgeting relationship, whether that's with another person or with yourself. But you need to both have a thorough understanding of what your big picture is, but also not overwhelm yourself with the daily maintenance of your spending and your and your earning. And so I think one of the things that's worked really naturally for us is the fact that our personalities uh, and our tendencies tend to hit kind of all of those facets. But for someone that is not comfortable with such a high level of detail uh, on this tracking, I think this is a really great place to start, right? To say, okay, I've got $50 a week to spend on uh, groceries, right? And so I'm going to make sure that every time I go to the grocery store, I am plus or minus, you know, a couple bucks at 50 bucks, right? And as long as I'm doing that, I don't have a reason to throw up the red flag, right? As long as I am within a couple bucks of my target of weekly spending, I have a reasonable assumption that when I go and check in on a budget at the end of the month or at the end of the year, things are going to be in line with with what I was expecting, right? Right, yeah. And I think another thing uh, to remember is maybe spreadsheets aren't for you or maybe cataloging everything in an app isn't for you, but there are other things out in the world that can help you keep track of your money. So for example, I often use a grocery delivery service and there is a minimum for free delivery. That minimum happens to be slightly less than my budget for groceries. And so it's a really easy way for me to monitor my budget. I don't have to think about it. I just know that if I meet that minimum, I'm within my budget and it's built into the app that I use. So you can think about the ways you spend money and maybe the tools that are already built into the things that you use, like apps for buying groceries or things like that. So it's less of a burden on you to remember the exact numbers, to remember which budget things are from, and just to use the tools that are already built in to the things you're using. Mm, couldn't have said it better myself. That concludes today's episode of Brian's Budgets. You can sign up for our newsletter and catch up on content you've missed by visiting carrotconsulting.com. That's K-E-R-R-I-C-K consulting.com. Thanks for listening.